0: The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, hey, welcome everybody as we begin a brand new series called Unfriended. And uh, I'm excited about this series because we're going to be talking about the connections in our lives. And it's not just friends' connections. We'll get more specific here in a little bit. But if you're looking for a spot in the Bible to turn to, you can go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter 5. And um, so turn there and we'll jump in here to Ephesians in a bit. Um, Let me take a moment and talk about the pace of life. If you go back and and follow me here, but if you go back in history, even, even 150 years, but in general for centuries, the pace of life has been the speed of walking, which is about three miles an hour. Now, maybe if you owned an animal and that animal could run faster or walk faster than three miles an hour, you could travel at more than three miles an hour. So if you have an animal, you're a little faster than that. So just think about that for a moment. Now, with the invention of trains, uh, all of a sudden, the the, the quickest way information could travel was via train. And the pace greatly increased, um, if you think about it. And, And it was no longer limited by human's or animals, And then if you, you come to the telegraph and telephones, information could now travel the country in a matter of minutes. So all of a sudden, things have rapidly sped up. But it was still limited to person-to-person to person being spread around from one individual to the next individual to the next individual. So if you think about that, now think of the invention of motion pictures and television. And and with that, information could reach large portions of people as fast as somebody could get on the air and explain or describe whatever news, probably bad, that needed to be described. But I even remember back to being a kid where you could only sit down and watch whatever was on TV at that time. So if you think about it, even back then, we were kind of limited. And so if you continue forward with life, um, you can think about how things have sped up from humans and animals to trains and then communication via telegraph and telephone to all of a sudden television and media distribution. In fact, now today, in less than a blink of an eye, most, listen to this, most of the world's information can be known all over the globe in a matter of of seconds, nearly in real time. It's scary how fast communication can travel. And when you think about that, you go from three miles an hour, the average pace of life, hundreds of years, for centuries, three miles an hour, to all of a sudden today, where communication travels this fast, 124,300 miles per second. It's astounding. That's the pace that you and I live at. That's how fast we get information, whether it's correct information or incorrect information, isn't even the point. That's how fast we get information. Vivid detail in our own hands on a small device, not a television, not even a cons- computer screen in an office or bedroom or, or, or dining room or wherever in our house it might be, in our hands nearly wherever we go. The nightmare of another's human suffering or death a hundred times a day comes at us. We see all kinds of things from a child being kidnapped to to human trafficking being issues to, you know, the, the climate change. All this stuff goes on and we process it, but we don't really process it. The issue is this. Our minds and our hearts were not Created or designed to take in and process all of that communication and all of that heartache. And yet still, we try to. We scroll through our social media feeds. We log on to computers and look at Google and and YouTube and all of this stuff, and we try to process it, but we can't. Actual statistics are nearly impossible to nail down but some would say that we use the apps on our phones for on average three hours a day. All the media we consume is somewhere in the ballpark of seven to 10 hours a day for the average user and maybe worse for the younger generations who are constantly on devices. The problem is this, you and I are losing our ability to empathize. You, you and I are, are having trouble communicating well. It's harder when you're not in person to translate somebody's emotions in a conversation. It's more difficult to ultimately love and be loved by others around us. We have a hard time focusing. We have a hard time sleeping. We get addicted to a device and it becomes such a problem that we wake up in the middle of the night if by chance we can't sleep and pick up our device at 2 a.m. Or, or we accidentally forget to put it on silent or do whatever we normally might do and we hear a buzz in the middle of the night and we can't just let it go. We've got to know who's trying to get a hold of me. What information do I just have to have at four o'clock in the morning? But the worst part is this. Like I said, ultimately to love others is difficult. And most tragically, For those of us that believe in a savior, most tragically in a world where we're connected on all kinds of levels, it becomes very difficult to be effective in our ability to love our neighbors into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, let me take you deeper into the conversation because here's the thing. In the social media and online world, you and I maybe don't fully understand that things are rigged. Now, you're like, well, where, when are we going to get to Ephesians chapter 5? When are we getting to to the Jesus portion of this? Bear with me, because we'll get that. But what you and I have got to understand that is that online and in social media, things are absolutely rigged. My family watched something recently called The Social Dilemma. And I would encourage anybody to take some time and look it up on Netflix and watch The Social Dilemma because it's this conversation, but, but said far better than I could ever say it. But it goes like this. The creators of all kinds of social media platforms have formulated their programs to keep you looking and scrolling and learning. And you and I know this. We know that they're trying to keep us on there, but, but do you ever stop? And take a layer back and go, why is that the case? Because the longer that you're on, the more likely that something will come up that interests you. And when something comes up that interests you, you click on it and you read through it. And all of a sudden, you're interested in that position and and taking in what they wanted you to click on. Now, again, that's not necessarily new, but here's what it comes down to. You and I enjoy these platforms for free. Facebook is free. Instagram is free. All these different platforms are free. But, but here's the catch. And this is how it was said on that thing I'm talking about, the, the, uh, the, the social uh, dilemma. It goes like this. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Okay, think about that for a minute. The implications of that are huge if you're not paying for the product then you are the product so let let me let me bring it up people all the time are amazed that they'll scroll through their social media and something will come up and they'll go wait a minute i was just talking to somebody else about that earlier and now it's on my phone and they freak out like it's some sort of magic trick when deep down you and i really really do know that they're listening to everything that you have to say. They're watching everything you're doing online. In fact, as you scroll through and certain things go through your social media feed, they can track how many seconds or minutes you're looking or reading a specific post. And all of these things are being sent to computers that are creating and getting better and better at the algorithms that interest you specifically. So the things that you see online aren't necessarily the things that other people that live next door to you, that you're friends with, that are in your family, that go to school with you, you're not seeing the same things they're seeing because however specifically you, you've you kind of created your social media platform to, to sort of look or what things interest you, those algorithms are directing things specifically towards you that only feed what you already like or what you're already interested in or something that might hook you that will help you, you know, get into this thing and that generates all kinds of money. Now, I don't know if you're following me very closely, but, but let, me, let me bring it up like this. If, if I like a picture on social media, that's a friend wearing Air Jordans. And I'm scrolling through and doing my thing, and all of a sudden an ad comes up for Nike, Air Jordans, 50% off. And I'm like, hmm, those are cool. I clicked like, no wonder that came up. And so I click on the ad that says 50% off because why wouldn't I want them for 50% off? And I scroll through and try to find the pair I like and I buy the pair and that's great. They've made their money. And the ads are doing what they're supposed to do and the algorithms are getting better and better at, at directing those things towards me that I will be interested in. We're, we're not probably new to this whole thing. It's no different in some ways than some of the catalogs that were mailed out for decades. You get a Sears catalog. You get catalogs or ads for all kinds of stores. We still get them today in the mail. But here's where some of the problem comes in. It's not about products anymore. More and more It's groups paying for you to see ads that create angst about election, meddling, or the climate, or Black Lives Matter, or COVID, and and whichever stance you take on any one of these issues isn't my point. The point is, whoever's paying for the ads These algorithms are saying this person has this group of friends or likes these type of posts. So whatever company out there that paid for their message to get out, those ads that will help me want to read what they have to say are what they're sending me and what they're sending you all the time. So if a company is propagating questionable news or news with a certain slant to it, it's being sent to you and sent to me very, very intentionally. And this should scare the fire out of us. But let me continue in the conversation here. That's why it can be so hard to find the truth. There's no barometer There's no regulation. And even when social media companies say, well, they're gonna police it and they're gonna delete these things or get rid of those things or monitor or send people to to verify what's true and what's not, they don't have the bandwidth to do that. They won't do that because it puts a, 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 a belt, it limits their ability to make money off of all of the companies that they're making money off of. And you may not like to hear this, And I don't like necessarily how it feels to know this, but it really is true. This is why the divide in America feels like it's wider than it's ever been. Because everything that you go to online has somehow been targeted towards you only to buffet what you already believe, only to suck you in to, to even more polarization into what you're already, that's why so many people can, can say, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Republican and what a bunch of idiots those Democrats are. Or on the other end, I'm a Democrat and how stupid can those Republicans be? Because everything targeted at you slams the group you already have hinted at or that you've directly said you disagree with. That's why things are so polarizing. And if you make this, or if you look at this on a global scale, there are nations that maybe you're not so aware of, but there are nations toppling. There are governments caving and riots happening everywhere because there's so much polarization. And part of it is because there's so much misinformation and slant to what's going on. But because people are paying to get things out there that they know you'll read, then guess what, that's what you're being sent. Okay, let me take this to to sort of the nth degree, and now you're gonna say this guy's crazy or whatever, but let me take this to the nth degree. Do you know that the, the statistics about depression and anxiety in our teenagers has risen exponentially over the last nine years since 2011? And do you know when the rise of social media happened in a significant way? Right about 2011. And you have young people creating all kinds of accounts. You have young people involved in all kinds of social media. And they're dealing with this anxiety to the point where how many likes somehow determines their ability to be successful. There are young people. Kids that are Googling and looking up how to have work done on themselves so they can look like the filters they're creating that that make them appear so perfect online because they wish, they only wish, maybe they could look that way in real life. Young people, pre-teens. And then finally, and the saddest part to me, is that you can also track the teen suicide rate And see that it has increased exponentially also since 2011. And you can connect so much of this to to the, the problem that you and I have that we've friended so many things in our lives that we never should have friended. And I'm not talking specifically about friends and friend requests and who follows you on on Instagram or or whatever else. I'm talking about that you and I entertain certain elements of, of life online that maybe we shouldn't be entertaining at all. Now let me get to Ephesians chapter five for a few minutes here. Be verse 15 Ephesians 5:15 be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says to the church at Ephesus, Be very careful how you live. For you and I to get sucked into a world that manipulates us, For you and I to get sucked into a world that's willing to feed us whatever we're sort of looking for because somehow we'll fall prey to it because somebody's getting paid for it and not be aware of how it works is an absolute tragedy. Paul says, be very careful. He says, don't live as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The message version says this, these are desperate times. See, I love how the message version says it that way because you and I intuitively go, these are desperate times. These are crazy times. For you and I, maybe you haven't thought this, but I have. Why is it so hard to get down to the truth in anything going on? And when you see how the internet is wired, maybe, just maybe you can begin to understand why things feel so desperate and truth is so hard to come by. Paul says in verse 17, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The message for don't be foolish is don't live carelessly or unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Here's a question. Do we? Do we understand what God wants of us in a time like this? See, I see people all the time forwarding things that to me are clearly untrue. Forwarding information that, that, that comes from some harebrained person that acts like a professional and we're willing to propagate whatever that is because somehow we, we, we at our core, we go, yeah, that, without ever verifying if it's true or not. That's foolishness. I also see people all the time communicating things online, and, and the, 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 their heart maybe is in the right place, but they come across as mean-spirited. They come across as judgmental. They come across as hateful, and they're trying so hard to get their truth out there. And yet, yeah. we've said forever, it's not just about whether it's the right thing or not. Is it being done in the right way? And is this the right time to say it? Maybe social media isn't the best spot for a debate. And yet, intuitively, we know that. We've heard people say that forever. But here we are making comments on certain things, thinking somehow we're gonna change someone's mind. That's not the environment. When things are being manipulated all the time for you and I to try to get into some level of debate, it's just not working. It's creating that polarization. See, some would say it's about winning. And they create this sense of battle. We're in a battle, we've got to fight. And I'm not saying we're not in a battle, but we misunderstand the battle. And we think it's against a certain group of people and a certain group of people who believe a certain thing, and we've got to win and we've got to be right. But did you ever think about how Jesus walked this earth? And while he taught what was true, Did you ever notice that maybe he wasn't about winning? In fact, what happened to him was crucifixion that in the physical world would look like the ultimate defeat? Is it possible that instead of you and I fighting for what's right for us, that we're willing to extend a sense of mercy and grace and love and compassion, take the humble road that people can see that Jesus through you and me? See, I gotta be honest, there are all kinds of things I've wanted to shout from the rooftops before. But I also realized that my approach to that isn't necessarily gonna help people see Jesus. I've been thinking recently about, as a church, how we carry ourselves in the midst of all that's going on. And what do we wanna be known for? I've been thinking about this and sharing it with some of our pastoral team a little bit. This last week, when we look back two years from now, when we look back five years from now, how do we wanna be known in this season? And I would far rather be known in our community as a church that loved and reached out and tried to help in the midst of an incredibly tough time for people to navigate, not just about, let's get our doors open, let's be the first one, let's not bow to the government. I'm not afraid of the government. I couldn't care less if I land in jail. I don't fear any of that. I've said before, my favorite verses in the scripture are Philippians 1, 20 through 21. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by death or by life. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Those are not the verses of somebody who is gonna bow to the government in fear. I just happen to think if we take the safe road and care enough about our community to want to help protect the community, that maybe they'll see Jesus through us. That meekness, that compassion, that sense of concern for others winning and not me winning. It's a different way of thinking, but I actually really strongly believe that's how Jesus carried himself when you look at the gospels. Verse 18 says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And I want to be cautious when I say this because it's easy to sort of change Scripture. And all of a sudden we do damage because we change the meaning. But maybe it wouldn't be so much wine in this context as much as do not get drunk on the proofs of your position you read and you gotta forward so quickly. Maybe it's do not get drunk on so many people clicking likes and commenting on the last post you created, hoping people would engage and there's 50 and 80 and 100 and 200 comments and how many people shared it and you're getting drunk on the power of wow, people like me. What a tragedy and yet, Paul says, don't get inebriated with this other stuff. Do not get drunk on some person of influence propagating something you agree with because somehow that validates your position because they're famous or they're rich or they think well, and all of a sudden that bolsters your position. Look at them, they agree. That's awesome. Don't get drunk on that. See, what Paul says is this, be filled with the Spirit. know what that means to me it it, it means live our lives in a way that our prayer constantly is god through your holy spirit empower me baptize me with your power baptize me with discernment baptize me with 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 teaching help me walk in humility god i want to be what you've called me to be for a world that so desperately needs life and hope and strength and, and and love and compassion What if we walked that way? What could happen? See, when you and I live baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with that endowment of power as scripture would describe it, when we live that way, it takes us to verses 19 and 20 of Ephesians 5. Speaking to one another with psalms, and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can read that and go, I don't know what he means. I'm not gonna sing songs to other people. What, do I live in a musical? But that's not what he's talking about. He's saying when you and I live baptized in the Holy Spirit, it brings such a joy and such a hope and such a life that our words to others are life giving. They're like a, a powerful, wonderful song that lifts the spirits of other people. That's what he's talking about. Because if you go back to verse nine, uh, verse eight and nine of the same chapter, he says, Live as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Some of these same words are used in Philippians 4.8 where Paul says this, summing all things up, friends, I'd say to you to do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true and noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, Gracious, the best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. See, it's time for you and I to consider what kind of things we're friending in our lives. What kind of narrative that you and I are following. And let me just say this in closing. You've heard that we all have blind spots. See, the catch here is that the nature of a blind spot is that we don't see it. And is it possible, as we wrap this up, is it possible that you have a blind spot that's making you ineffective in your ability to live out the great commission to a world that needs a savior that cares about them, a savior that died for them? That's my passion. And in this series, we're gonna be talking about who are my friends on social media And we're gonna be talking about what is getting my time. And we're gonna be talking about what's getting my belief and, and what am I communicating and how am I communicating it? Am I drawing people near or pushing people away from Jesus? At the end of the day, if you're a follower of Christ, your greatest passion ought to be wanting people to know Jesus, to love Jesus to find forgiveness, to accept a savior that died for them. But if our behavior is destroying our ability to do that, maybe we need to rethink it. And that's what I wanna challenge you and I wanna challenge myself throughout this series. Let's pray. Father, there is so much in our world that we look at and go, what is happening? And absolutely, there's a spiritual battle being waged. Absolutely, there is a war going on. But we would be foolish to not heed Paul's words that remind us to not be blind, to not be foolish, to not fall prey, to not thinking about what's going on as we scroll, what's going on as we click. What's going on as we accept the friend request? What's going on when we read the articles and forward the information? And on and on and on it goes into a world that is deeply polarized. God, forgive us where we've missed it. God, forgive, forgive us where we've got it wrong. And Jesus, help us live in your truth. Not drunk with the the... the power of social media at times, but filled with your Holy Spirit, helping us day by day be more and more effective for a gospel of a Savior that loves mankind. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Well, again, I just wanna say thanks for jumping in as as we kinda take the intro of this series, Unfriended. Encourage you to continue to be a part Sunday to Sunday. You can always watch online. Um, You can also enjoy drive-in church as we're doing that. Um, And so at 8.30, 9.45 or 11 o'clock on typical Sundays, we do drive-in as well. We have online gatherings. Um, I also wanna mention, we appreciate your faithful giving. And as we say, um, you can go to grove.church and click on the give link and and give. And we appreciate that um, because obviously, As a church, we want to reach our community and love those around us, and and we do that through your generous support. So we thank you for your faithfulness. Um, Also want to mention, if you've got any need for prayer or anything going on in your life that you want prayer for, just click on that link there online, and uh, you can write that in, type that out, and we're going to share that as a team together, something we pray for throughout the week. So if you have a need for prayer... Click on that prayer link. We want to pray for you throughout this week because we carry one another's burdens. Again, thank you so much for being a part. It's a unique time, but God is on the throne. We are confident of that. And uh, thanks for taking the time today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.